Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week is one of the most fascinating conversations you're gonna hear. Our guest this week is Danny Chavis of The Velt. I don't know who out there knows who The Velt are, but here's the story, get this. Twin black guys growing up in, in uh, Raleigh, North, North Carolina, Danny and his twin brother, Daniel Chavis. And they are more into alternative rock and roll. And in the late 80s, they get signed by Capitol Records and sent to England to make their debut album with Robin Guthrie producing. That album was supposed to be, have been called Illuminated and it never came out, it got shelved. Eventually, they did put out a couple of albums. The second album, Aphrodisiac, from I think it's 1994, is sensational. Anyone who likes alternative rock of the 90s, especially if it's like with a British twinge to it, check out Aphrodisia. So they eventually changed their name to Apollo Heights. They tried that for a while. They've always played and put out music, but it's just never really caught on. In the last few years, they've been at it again. They put out another album a couple years ago called Entropy is the Main Line to God. Well, Illuminated finally came out. It's called Illuminated 1989. As you can tell from this first track right here, which is called The Everlasting Gobstopper, Robin Guthrie's hands are all over this album. It sounds like a Cocteau Twins album, but keep in mind, guys, this is a couple of black dudes from North Carolina. I keep calling Danny in here a, a unicorn because that's what it is. Other than bands like Living Color and Fishbone and Bad Brains, we just don't get examples of black bands like theirs playing this kind of music. There's zero. They are one of one. So anyway, Illuminated is now out and the vinyl version of Illuminated in 1989 just came out this last weekend. So it's not available on CD, but it is available on vinyl and digitally. So if you love the sound of the Cocteau Twins and whatever Robin Guthrie does, check it out and check out everything else they've done. So obviously we talk about all of this. You will be shocked to hear all the different bands they've opened for over the years, Coldplay, Oasis, you name it. They continue to put out music. They recently played the Levitation Festival in Austin, which is kind of a psych rock festival with bands like the Black Angels and the Dandy Warhols. Anyway, they've always been at it, but it just, see to me, having twin black brothers playing this kind of music is should be a marketer's dream. That is a story unlike anything you're going to hear anywhere, but that's not the case. Everybody likes everything to fit in a nice little box, and Danny and Daniel don't fit in that box. So it just never takes off, and I don't understand. But I wanted to shed some light on the Velt, because they're fantastic and they deserve it. So wait till you hear this conversation. Danny called me from his home in Raleigh, North Carolina. So Danny, I mean, as you know, you are a you are a unicorn. You're a singular, you are the only black shoegaze band that has ever made any kind of a dent anywhere. And uh, at least to my knowledge anyway, and this is the kind of music that I love and grew up listening to. One thing I was thinking though, getting ready to talk to you is when you were making this album with Robin back in 88, 89, this kind of music wasn't even necessarily called shoegazer. It was just, or yeah. shoegaze, it was just something, alternative rock. And I'm curious, yeah. what did you and Daniel, what did you guys call it? What did you think about it? We didn't really call it anything. We just called it like, you know, for better, lack of a better word, like alternative music. You know, when people asked us, we would, if someone came to us like, you know, I think we were in, when we were in England, Lincoln Fong was a part of a band called Moose. You know, they were in the middle of doing an interview and Lincoln came back, said that, you know, the writer from the NME was trying to make wisecracks on them. Like, you know, what kind of shoes are you wearing to the, to the band Moose? I think that was his way of saying, you know, what kind of shoes you guys wearing? Cause he was, uh -huh. that term shoegaze came from that interview. From that particular oh, interview and it was seen as an insult more yeah. so than you know a genre which you know and we use it as a genre now because we're late i mean right now as old as we are and what time we have we take anything we can get as far as you can call it what the fuck you want to call it <laughs> you know, i don't care you know <laughs> yeah, right. he she it they just right. hope you like the music you know what i'm saying you know we when yeah. a band in our position doesn't really question yeah. what they call it. we just go we just go with whatever's happening and let people decide what they want to decide how does how do a couple of black brothers from Raleigh 
North Carolina stumble on bands like the Cocteau Twins? Is it on college um, radio? And if it is, you have to be the only people in your black peer group listening to what you're listening to, I'm imagining. Well, I mean, uh, we, we, we came out of the hardcore scene in uh, mm-hmm. North Carolina. A lot of hardcore people, you know, punk kids back in that time, uh, were listening to other things like, you know, Cocteau Twins, Minor Threat, you know. And, and, and incidentally, Reed Mullen, God bless his soul, of CL Corrosion Conformity, gave us our first gig. Um, at a hardcore show back in 1983 and that whole crowd of people man influenced us so much here in Raleigh North Carolina that you know we got exposed to like different things especially in Chapel Hill Chapel Hill was kind of like London was kind of like like for example Raleigh was London Chapel Hill was like Liverpool Mm kind of thing you know and Mm -hmm. there were DJs and students there that were open and it was a really kind of fruitful area a band like Super Chunk Povo they were, we were, they were all friends of ours. And we yeah. knew those people, you know, and, you know, and all these other kind of bands like, you know, Neon Christ was a, going back, going back to the first gig, Neon Christ, Minor Threat, no, Neon Christ, COC, and Marginal Man was our first gig. Wow. And uh, you can find all kind of people at these shows, man. You know, yeah. I mean, it was a great time to be out and about, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, but um, my friend Gail Morell, uh, who's working at WUNC, in, in Chapel Hill, she was a DJ there and she bought home this record that said AR Kane. And I was like, what's this? You know, man, we never look back. Really? We were on the Cocteau Twins heel already, but Rudy, Rudy Tambala of AR Kane, uh, yeah. he's, you should reach out to Rudy too. I should. Rudy, yeah, Rudy's a really big influence on us. Him and Alex, really big influence, you know, mm. as well as other bands during that time, like Dig, Majesty Crush, mm. uh, God Bless His Soul, The Thieves, Audio web, but they were all brothers that were doing so-called shoegaze mm. at that point in time that mm. nobody would probably ever know about. You know what I'm saying? Because let's you, you tell them, you know, yeah. the thieves, beautiful kind of song, songwriting. You know, it was it was a, a combination of rhythm and blues and our you know current influences that really yeah. made it what we did. Like coming from church and whatnot. Like my brother played in the juke joint um, while I played in church. So Sunday morning, I go out and play guitar in church. He be getting in from Saturday night. Eventually, you know, we we got together and did wrote our first song called "The Color Loves Blue." Wow! And then, oh, uh, that's the first. Yeah, and then we went. Then we, you know, got with our, our you know our friend Robert Jackson. God bless his soul too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a keyboard, me on guitar, and uh, my brother on bass at our first gig, and in a drum machine because we didn't have, you know, we didn't have any drummer at the time. And then huh. we met a guy, Joe 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 Boyle. Who is now a staunch Republican? I don't think he likes black people anymore. But uh, <laughs> well, go figure, go figure. You know, who knows uh, why they do it? You no, know, he was a he was Joe. Joe was a really, really, really big part of our life, and uh, he's on the, the the first recordings that Robin did. We went to London. Wow. Uh, him and Marvin Levy. Uh, Marvin's still around, but he's not really active uh, yeah. playing anything. So I mean, I mean, you 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 really gotta have a stomach for. <laughs> For uh, being looked over, kicked. I guess you really got to have a, a hard shell, man, to really go this long, you know, and not give up. Yeah, it's, you lose you lose a lot of people on the way, man. Uh, we've lost so many people, uh, friends, marriages, shit like that, man. Totally. All because all because every morning I wake up, I'm thinking to myself, how can I make my music the best way? And yeah. now I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I'm innocent in all, in all that stuff because I'm not, you know, I wasn't mature enough at certain points, even to be married at a certain, certain extent. When you do this and you're in this situation, no one wants to hear about like, you know, you can't pay the bills or something like that because you want to go play a gig or whatever else, man, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, your faith is what drives you to do this most of the time. And if that faith lasts 57 years, and I, I wouldn't know what else to do. To yeah. You got to be a monk. I, I mean, I, you know, first of all, you're, you're in a black group. You got music that nobody understands. You're trying to tell people they don't see it. It's like you're thinking that they do, but they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, you get called Lenny Kravitz, you know, Living Color, all this shit, you know, all because you want to, you know, go out and play music to people, you know. But I believe that there was much more in this world than just singing about like gang shit and like guns and all this kind of shit, man. It's like, absolutely. There's more to life than that. I mean, and, and I don't think that where, where we came from was uh, that productive in, in that scene, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I like, I, w- I would come home from a gig 
and then go to a DJ gig with my friend in, in the local college, in the local college area or the, where the black folks was. So I was getting a little bit of everything, you know what I'm saying? Things that they wouldn't even know about, like, you know, going to juke joint clubs in the middle of nowhere and hearing the latest songs coming out, why not? So a lot of that had to do with my guitar playing and, and a lot of older black guys uh, in church taught me a little bit that I didn't know, you know, because, you know, um, in church, I think the cure and Rob and think the cure and uh, Robin use it, but black people call it Vastapool, a tuning. Vastapool, Vastapool is the tuning that uh, Curtis Mayfield used to. He tuned the guitar to the black keys of the piano. They call it Vastapool, and like no people like Ike Turner and um, Curtis Mayfield used that. I mean, I think Jimmy yeah. Hendrix used it too, as far as I know. You know, but they used to use the guitars with the like the plastic Hawaiian strings. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, they got strings that, you know, it, it, if, if you go to a pawn shop, you will buy a guitar, right? And the strings would be like not, they wouldn't be ridged. They'd be like smooth. They wouldn't have no ridges on them. They were called Hawaiian strings. I learned how to play that way a long time ago, but I since then forgot how to play Vastapool. But it's what they call open tuning, you know, like like yeah. uh, Son, Sonny Williams or either uh, Lightning Hopkins. Lightning Hopkins, yeah, that's a good example, you know? You talking about, having to have that faith in 600 and something episodes. I don't know if anyone has ever expressed it as eloquently as you just did, because I just keep thinking about how rare it must've been for you and your brother to be who you were with your interests. And you talking about having that faith, it could have been so much easier. I'm guessing to say, screw, I'm not doing, I'm not going to go. I'm not going the Robin Guthrie route. I'm going the hip hop route. I'm going yeah. to even living color, you know, even bad brains. You're talking about being hardcore. I mean, at least there's one black hardcore band that's kind of yeah. paving a way for you, showing you as an example. I can't think of anything that was showing you how to be the band you were aspiring to be. Not that well, was I mean, within that, your community that, or within your people. Well, you you got like uh, having said that, like you, you got Fishbone, you I, got true. Uh, I love them. Living, yes, living color. You got um, bad brains. You got the. But the, were you aware of Fishbone and Living Color when you're making <laughs> this illuminated 1989 album with Ro with Robin? Of course, we, oh, we okay. open up for them, man. We open up for all those people. Oh, I didn't know if you had back then. I assumed you yeah, did later. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we had our first show with the uh, Living Color in it in like '87, '88, like that. And then Joseph, I mean, sorry, HR Bad Brains. We know him as Joseph. Mm -hmm. And we opened up for Joseph, his Joseph solo show uh, back in the late, I think it was late 80s. I think he had left Bad Brains or something. He had freaked the fuck out or some shit anyway. Mm -hmm. And we met all those crowds of people and, and even 24-7 spies. Dealing with those brothers that were like that, they were struggling too. So it was hard for them to put us on all the time because they were having problems. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. how do I, how do I, like, it would be like a young black cat coming up after our show. Like, yo, man, I'm going to be down with you guys. So and so and I'm like, Man, I I love to, but I can't get my foot in the door. Mm -hmm. That was the most heartbreaking thing that I can remember telling young black kids that were at the show. They were obviously introverts or whatever else you want to call them at the time, and uh, looking for themselves, so to speak. As my teacher would say to me in high school, they had you know moved toward like you know music that they liked naturally or whatever else you know, whether they be gay or whatever else you know. They were open to us, man, and we were open to them, you know, at the time. I mean, and we all had each other somewhat, you know what I'm saying? But we couldn't get past the racial thing, which is yeah. a majority of my career was spent talking about that in, back in sure. the day. Because they were, they were like, oh, you guys like Living Color. Like, no, we're not. They, mm -hmm. Living Color is, they play this kind of band. Like, for example, Led Zeppelin plays this kind of band. Like the the, the Bird plays this kind of, kind of music. Or Neil Young plays this kind of music. They're all white, but they play different music. Mm -hmm. They didn't see us like that. Yeah. You know, and, and nine times out of ten, that, that was a death knell of our career because they for some reason forgot about Hendrix and shit like that. They forgot about those things and whatnot. You know, mm -hmm. they were in this kind of like uh they would sign us and then forget why they did it. It'd be like, yeah. oh we don't know what to do with you. But you fucking signed us. What the fuck would you do that for? You know what I'm saying? Like well, we don't you got just too unique. Okay. So you're gonna drop us? Okay. <laughs> they they would they, they would give us all these compliments as they were moving away. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I'm imagining I'm imagining record labels, like kind of like what you were just saying, having the Velt, who they signed, they made this choice, and then saying, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with yeah. a black band that's playing this kind of music. Who do we market? How do we market this? 
And in my mind, I'm thinking, you have the easiest, best story to tell. There are not that, there are no other black bands playing this music. Just think how creative and interesting that is. Don't just think how much music lovers would love to know about that. And yet they don't think that way. Look, man, it's like like this from Al Jolson to Eminem. It's like there's no, that's a story for them, you know. Yeah. Eminem, with all due respect, I mean, it's a white guy rapping, okay? That's, that's, an, that's an anomaly in some ways. Uh-huh. He got his props, whatever else. But then we go over to their territory. What the fuck? We don't what to do. Oh, right. Right. You're not sagging their pants. They ain't rapping. What the fuck? You nigga, got niggas on you. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know. But see, me, me, meanwhile, we were playing with every one of our influences from the pick. Pixies. I'm, let, let me let me give you a little list. Pixies, Lush, The Church, Oof. Saints. Yes. Uh, we opened up for like the guy from the MC5 band, Bong Water. We played with uh, Thorin Muses. We played with uh, did I say Jesus Mary Chain? Jesus, yeah, yeah, Jesus no, Mary Chain. Yeah, I've read about that too. Yeah, Jesus Mary Chain. Chapter House. And, and, Do you and remember Comfort Chapter House? I love them. No, we didn't play with them, but we knew. Oh, about you did. Okay. Yeah. We we, 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 we swear driver. So. Okay. I don't know what else we could say to anybody. Like I know, our, our resume, our resume didn't mean yeah. anything to people. Some that some people today it still doesn't mean anything. Like it's like Lou Reed said when Lou Reed came out with the Velvet Underground, he said, "Well, there's some people that didn't like it a long time ago. Or some people that might not like it now." You know, <laughs> Lou said that. Man, God bless his soul. That's right. You know, That's I mean, right. those are all my the Velvet Underground. That's all. Those those were all my influences, man. Then when we came back, I tried to reach out to the Jesus and Mary Chain and their manager. Um, we did an interview for the Brooklyn Vegan, and 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 we were mistakenly qu- misquoted as we were Apollo Heights. I said we're looking for maybe we can play with the Jesus Merchant one day, and the guy said, "Well, they don't remember you." I said, that, "I said, wait a minute, they don't remember me." They did a remix for us. We went on two of them. I said, "How many niggas have they played with?" <laughs> I had to say it like that. I said, "How many niggas have they played with?" <laughs> Fuck. Come on, man! You did, you did a fucking remix for us, man. Come on, <laughs> and I love them dudes, but like you know, I'm like, hey, man, that is hilarious. So true. Yeah, now it is. <laughs> but let me ask you. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this: When yeah. you're watching your colleagues like Living Color or Fishbone having some success, playing yeah. Saturday Night Live, getting on the radio with music that's slightly that's not you know, hip hop or R and B or soul or whatever. And you're thinking, are we, we're here too. We're making this. Why can't the same road be paved for us? Were you thinking that? Yeah, of course I was. I see living color on, on, on TV. I'm like, Oh man, it's gonna be great. Fish ball inside of the night live. I'm like, now it's our turn. We can finally share. It's, it's, it wasn't even about competition. It's about like, we can finally share with the world what we're doing. There was a great yes. feeling at the time, man. I'm like, yeah. man, we can share what we're doing to people. You yeah. know, it wasn't, you know, we're not curing cancer here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're just playing music, for God's sake. I do. I I could understand if an album like Aphrodisiac was, you know, hard to swallow or different or not, uh, I don't know, like hard to find the right audience or whatever. But any music lover who is paying attention to all the bands you just mentioned, the Lushes, the Pixies, the Chapter House, Swerve Drivers, whatever, Catherine Wheel, they would have eaten up that album back at the di- back in the day. And yet, I don't think it ever got played on. The- I never remember hearing it on the radio. You know what I mean? I don't right. even remember yeah. seeing it in record stores. No, I mean, it was only on for a short amount of time and people that were behind it, um, I think they tried the best that they could, but but the world is not as friendly as you think it is. I mean, you would yeah. think there would be uh, going to the wrong people, and and I think, I thank God for now because if it weren't for the internet, we wouldn't be able to get anything out to anybody. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it has a dis- disadvantages, you know, because you get so much bullshit out there. Right. But at the same time, we're reaching people that like, like you that yeah. wouldn't necessarily know about us. And you know, man, and thank God for fucking Anton Newcomb from fucking Brian Jonestown Massacre, man. That motherfucker, man. He say what say what you will about him and, and his his comments, whatever. But that 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 dude put us on, man. Did he really? Yeah. Now you guys just got yeah. back from is it the levitation tour? Yeah, man. We, we Tell, me Tell me man, about it. Tell me about it. It was with the Black Angels. Um I love them. Massacre. Uh, Dandy Warhols, right? Huh? Dandy Warhols. Dandy Warhols, yes. Dandy Dandy yeah. Warhol. Man, it was like it was such a cool vibe, man. And we we, we went out there and killed it. 
I bet you do. You know, because it's well, like, like we're supposed to. You know what I'm saying? So um, we went out and did the same thing we've been doing for the last 35 years. So it wasn't that difficult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Having to play the same songs again is a bit painful sometimes. But, I mean, fuck it. We, we, mix it yeah. we mix and match the new stuff that we've been doing, you know. That's good. So was a song like Soul in a Jar, I mean, it sounds like a hit song to me. Half that album sounds like hit songs to me. record executives at least at the time that were saying i think we got something here we're going to push this to radio we're going to get behind it and then they didn't or they tried and it didn't take off or were was late were radio stations like i don't know what to do with a black shoegaze band or what was the response all the above I really mean, oh man yeah man we were offered we were off we're doing really good at college radio um uh, for about like four or five months you know for the whole year from 90 93 to 90 late 95 we were okay and then uh we were offered to go on tour the cocktail twins a european tour and they denied it so they put us on tour with the smithereens god bless his soul i love and smithereens we, they're one of my favorite bands ever they've been on here a couple of times well man god bless his soul uh yes. what's my name uh, pat denizio pat man god bless him yeah. put us on man but they put us in this man we played so many places dude that I'm from the South. We got to start from the South. We played so many frat parties here, man, that, that, I mean, some places I would never play. Uh-huh. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I'm, I'm surprised that we made it out from playing, playing in the South because most of our, most of our fans had came from fraternities. There's one, one, one fraternity called the Beta House that was like, kind of like the nerd, it's like, you're kind of like the animal house of right. the place. And, and they loved us. And all the guys love like, you know, music. So they get together, man. And, Throw, throw parties, man. And everybody would come from off the street and see the band, you know? Mm-hmm. So they gave us the, that platform at the Beta House like, spread to the college people, man, because the Beta House, they weren't like typical frat guys. Mm-hmm. They were just like, you know, oh, the, you want to the Beta House, you want to smoke some weed, you know, whatever you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. But they, those guys were always cool with us. So it broke a lot mm-hmm. of boundaries. We played in the South the majority of the time we were there, and I'm, we won the Hootie and the Blowfish, put it that way, God bless him too. But <laughs> places, places that we wouldn't, regularly play you know and but yeah. but the Smithereens tour was in the armpit of the south we oh, played boy. in some of the places that had redneck flags dude oh, i mean i think one comment we we went in, okay you would come out on stage right we had all these martial cabinets so we had gotten sick of the whole fucking tour right because mm-hmm. we were kind of playing in, in redneck places and it wasn't the Smithereens fault but it was just the, what they had been given so we went and bought a bunch of rebel flags and we put them on the amps so when you walked out when you, so when you came to the front of the stage, you thought you were going to see some white dudes. But imagine, if you will, three or four black guys coming out, picking up the guitars in front of the, the stars and bars on the, on the Marshall amps, and like oh. confusing the hell out of these redneck dudes. I mean, they're like, oh. So, so so one gig, this guy said, man, y'all boys is all right, man. Y'all, uh-huh. y'all, what y'all doing with the stars and bars? I said, well, from the South, too, man. <laughs> he, said, he said, you know what? Y'all boys are all right. Y'all remind me of that movie, Cool Runnings. <laughs> and he bought me a bud, man. I don't know whether to be mad at him or what. 
You know, at least saying? he got a butt out of it. But seriously, oh my and god, then, we, we reached him. That was the accomplishment yeah. right there. Yeah, true. But, but there were but there were other places that we just couldn't play. That our road manager went and said, "Look, man, we're not playing this place. We can't. We can't do yeah. it." Yeah, because I it was way too redneck for us, man. And so I think we bowed out on that tour. It was supposed to be our cocktail twins tour, but why did they back out? I mean, you and Robin go the, way the back. Label the label didn't want to support it, man. Robin even invited us what? on the tour bus with them. So we would have done really? the whole of Europe with the cocktail. Yeah, man, we would have done the whole of Europe with the cocktail twins in 1995. Oh my gosh! You know? So that was only that was a really really re regretful kind of situation. Man. I that, bet. So let's talk about Illuminated because. You know, it's the lost, it's the lost Velt album produced by Robin Guthrie. I love Robin. I love the Cocteau Twins. I don't. I've been trying to figure out how I want to say this because when I say it, it sounds like a criticism, and I don't mean for it to. But yeah. everything he does sounds like sounds like his music. You know, really? he has a very heavy hand when it comes to his production, his pedals, and his that shimmery yeah. sound and everything. Yeah. And so this album sounds just like that. I mean, Aurora Borealis. swapped out with him and Elizabeth and it would sound just like a Cocteau Twins album. You know yeah, what I mean? Let me tell you something. Let's talk about this dude, man. <laughs> uh, Robert used to go, today, as your leader... <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> we loved him. You know, we loved him. He, he really yes. loved him. Yes. Uh, we, we would come in from, like, exploring London, right? And um, he'd be playing the record and I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't play that. He said, yeah, but you would have though, right? You're like some Jedi mind trick shit. <laughs> but yeah, he was a bit heavy handed on the production, big time. But I mean, yeah. we just took it because we we love to do. So it's of like you know, and plus, how many other black dudes are gonna be sounding like that anyway? We didn't give a fuck. Oh well, and it's a great album. So were you happy with the results? Yeah, somewhat because we because we worked on it really really hard for with with them, man. We we had with the results. We knew there were some things that we would change, but some things not though. But yeah. uh, that's time because the time. Times sure. are different now, you know. And, that, and, and during that time, that was the sound at the time. So yeah, of course. Um, we would have. So why is it? Why is it shelved? Was it Mercury? Is that who shelved it? Well, okay. Cardi Stanton was our A and R lady. You know, God bless her. She's she she was you know a champion of at Capital. And during that time, Capital unfortunately was going through a change like they always do. So, and they fired her. So the next guy that came in, some British blowhard. With a Hawaiian shirt, Simon Pasta didn't like us. He came in, he said, Well, a bit like watching paint dry. Come he said, on. The golden Palomino, said the golden palominos had a little bit more soul than you guys did. Golden palominos? Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, I'm, not mad. I'm not mad at them, but I'm like, yo, man, it's like, get the fuck out of here, dude. No so he doubt. So he shelved it. So that was what? it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't like us, so you know. What do you do? Do you have to go back to I'm, I mean, you're in England. I'm guessing you go back to Raleigh or New York or wherever you're living Went at the back time. To America. Went back to America, you know. Go back um, to like a regular day job in hopes no. that... No. What happens? We kept going. Really? We kept going. We kept going and we eventually got signed again to uh, Polygram and Polygram picked it up. Uh, Polygram didn't want to release the, the, the Guthrie record because they thought it was too too dated or whatever else, you know. But yeah. I'm like, we're doing the same music. So we did a totally different record. We did Marigolds with Lee Marigolds. Yeah, yeah, with Lincoln, and um, we'd be like that. What Lincoln did, you know, it's a little bit more raw. It is. Yeah, and he was he was a little <laughs> under pressure from them, so certain things we would would have changed changed a lot, you know, if we had. But Lincoln was, you know, steadfast in getting the job done. 
and he gave it his all. It was a great, great little EP. Yeah, he didn't get the credit he deserved because we usually talk about like you know the other stuff, but Lincoln is a big part of that kind of sound. So we, we did that. We did that EP, and we got Ray Shulman who did the Sundays, and he did uh, the Sugar Cubes, and he did Sinatra's. I love a lot yeah, of that stuff did. that he did. Yeah, he did all that stuff, and he was uh, he, he he was he was great, man, Ray, man. You know, Good. He, he he listened to us, and he. Gave us the best advice about things at the, at the time, you know. Yeah, he, uh, he wasn't as hands-on as Robin was, but I mean, he he definitely was uh, a big uh, influence in us, you know, because he worked with Ar Kane as well. Yes, true. Um, he's a genius, genius musician. My favorite song on either one of those albums, Marigold or Illuminated, is Willow Tree. So yeah. tell me about the story of creating Willow Tree. We made that up in Chapel Hill with Joe Boyle. And it was one of the first songs that we had that we had that kind of 4-4 four, four timing. And we experimented with a lot of other ones, but it would, that was the key song for that. And mm-hmm. then um, there was even a version that we did, with, my brother did with Liz in the Cocktail Twins Live that we should have recorded them doing soundcheck, you know. It's one of when we began to write songs really well, like, you know, America, like, uh, uh, it was Willow Tree, CCCP. Yep. Those songs started to take shape of the band name. The writing, our writing had begun to get a little bit better. Yeah. You know? And then with, um, uh, you know, all the other songs like uh, She Stood to Conquer were basically like songs that we had taken from like, you know, the Banshees or our hardcore background like that. So those songs developed like that. And then uh, mostly we played that on like with the Jesus Merchant tour. I saw a lot of that material like that. Yeah. Because uh, we had played, we had played in France a lot. So, we have played a lot of dancey stuff though, but it began to change a lot at that time because uh, we were getting a little bit more into ambient and ambient stuff and making uh, working with hip hop loops mm. a lot because we yeah. thought at the same time that we thought Sucker MCs by Run DMC was really good for Aurora Borealis. And then the thing about it was, man, we would get these people that liked our sound. There was engineers in, in studios, but they would, I don't hear it, man. No one's doing it right now. What? There's too many beats in it, like shit like that, man. And then, uh, you know, somebody white comes along and do it. They're like, oh my God, they're genius. I mean, like, <laughs> that, that kind of shit. We were like, yeah, they, we, we get these people that like working with us. They're like, yeah, I don't get it. You know, I'm yeah. here. It's yeah. like being constipated to the mind with them. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Totally. Like, like mind constipation. They just couldn't get over the, over the skin shit, which we got really yeah. fucking old. You yeah. know, I'm like, listen to me, listen to me. And they would yes. never listen to me. I mean, they didn't hear the R&B in it. They didn't hear the, the programming. Because I, I, I said to them, we need to work with the DJ mm-hmm. back in the day as a producer. And they're like, well, we don't understand why. I'm like, because you don't understand yeah. it. I don't, I don't get what you don't get. This would be a unique situation here. You know, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for you exactly. to listen to. Me. That's it. And they would, they would lock us out of remix sessions and shit, man. I'm like, and they would come out with some house music shit. I'm like, no, man, no. Speaking of which, tell me about Alan Mulder from uh, Fesh Mode is working with you on Aphrodisiac, isn't he? Alan Mulder? No, he didn't like our music, actually. Really? 
I was reading yeah. on some website that he was he worked on that album. No, no. Um, Alan Mulder, um, Stephen Street. These people didn't like our music at all. I mean, we went to uh, really? Creation was Creation Records was in cahoots with our manager at the time, and we were trying to get in Creation, and Creation didn't get it either. I mean, there was a. I mean, I mean, think about think about this. Think about being a young black kid. Like you, you go to England. You want to. You didn't. You like. You think everybody's open like that, man. Then like you know, you meet these people. Adam McGee didn't get what we were doing. He didn't get it. He just saw like so much. Of, he's like, what? Man? I don't get yeah. it. Like, cool dude, but he didn't get it. <laughs> Ivo from 480, he didn't get it either. He said, it reminded me of early 80s music. He's like, he said, yeah, like Bauhaus. And I said, never heard of him. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, of course I did. Of course I did. Right, right, right. But one of my biggest influences, that one of my biggest influences, Bauhaus. Yeah. But I just felt so perturbed that this guy, you know, I was like, Tch. So let me ask you this. When the second album comes out, Love at First Hate, it's pretty clear out of the gate that the shoegazery sound is dumbed down. You know, Dandelion Wine, wine again, I, I hate to, I'm only comparing you, sounds more like something Living Color might have done at the time. Yeah, I don't, you know? I, I wasn't part of that record that much. Oh, that's right. You left for a little while, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way it was going. It was like too too anthemic, too, like, you know, like, uh, Dead or Alive for me, that kind of okay. shit like that. Okay. I, mean, I think I'm on one, maybe one or two tracks on it. Okay. It's yeah. an okay album. I like the first part better. It just feels like a, that one feels more nondescript. Like we haven't, we don't quite know what our new sound's going to be, but yeah. I will say the music you guys have been making since you sort of got back and started trying again, sweeter yeah. Again, talk about songs by you guys that deserve to be giant hits. Sweeter is amazing. In a righteous world, that would have been all over the radio. What's the deal? <laughs> Same thing Man. we're talking about. <laughs> so you're talking about people. I mean, people. Some people. Some people get it. I mean, now. I mean, some a lot more people get it now. You know. I mean, maybe the right person hadn't come along, but I mean, we're getting kind of old, so we're kind of like, fuck it. We're gonna yeah. put out what we're gonna put out, and whether they like it or not. Because I, you know, I mean, it's a point in time where you get tired of telling people shit. Yeah, sweeter. Yeah, man. I, I. It's my Curtis Mayfield thing, you know, like you know, thinking about that a lot. I think my Curtis would did that, you know, yes. and Al Green, actually, you know what yes. I'm saying? But at the same time, thinking about Lush, been the band like Lush or yeah. either, you know, like, you know, my homegirls there. And um, Mickey was just on here a month or two ago. Yeah, man. Well, enough for them back in the day. Yeah. And them and Bays in Toyland. Bays in Toyland at the Ritz. At the Ritz. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, man. That was a great show, man. And then uh, I was reading just on your wikipedia page you opened for like every important band of that era oh yeah. you were you know what i mean uh, all of them i mean were you i think even i think even like massive attack did you play with massive attack uh, no i did session work with massive attack okay I love, they're like one of my favorite bands ever yeah, i, I played them. on the demos for 100 window 100th window yeah oh yeah, my god uh, liz, liz got me that job uh, and i'm oh, sorry liz and dave Siddick from tv radio got me that job so yeah. you know the I mean, t you know the TV and the on the radio guys too. Yeah, we talked with them. Dave, uh, we, we got we got something coming out that we did with Dave a while back called Disco Lights that we put out. It was put out back in the day, but no one knew about it. So yeah, we're gonna issue it as developed. We're gonna do a remix. Uh, we, we did a, we got a room remix uh, by Dave and uh, another remix that we did of a song called Disco Lights. We're gonna put out uh, at some point. When did you we tour did with them? Two thousand four. Dave put out a solo album under the name Maximum Balloon. Yeah, that um, I wondered if you had played on that or knew about that. No, that. no. I mean, I we didn't. We we were very limited in what what our what our association was at the time. But we used to hang out with those guys all the time. But we toured with them back in two thousand four. We did a U.S. tour, 
with them. Yeah. And uh, they produced one song for us called uh, Disco Lights. That's great. No one's, ever heard, no one's ever heard. So Ooh. we got more in the chamber than, 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 than you know. Than more in the yeah. Chamber. yeah. What about Oasis? Did you ever cross paths with Oasis? Yeah, we opened up for Oasis. We opened up for uh, the Ministry Preachers, Preachers. Oh, I yeah. love them too. We opened up for them. We opened up for, uh, used to be a big fan of the uh, the Modern Lovers. Yeah. Long time like ago. Like Jonathan Richmond? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You played yeah, with yeah. Jonathan Richmond? Yeah, man, back in the day. What? In oh 80, yeah. 80, 88, something like that. Wow. I'm yeah, also man. reading here Chuck D. Did you cross paths yeah. with Chuck D somewhere? Yeah, we opened up for Public Enemy, Tribe Called Quest. Uh, we what? opened up for, uh, yeah, Tim Dog. Uh, brand Nubian, Black Sheep, like you know. Oh we my did, gosh, we did a lot of stuff that no one knows about. We played well. Public Enemy was a really big show here in North Carolina and Tribe Called Quest. This is the thing that I keep coming back to in your career. The color of your skin has been limiting, and yet yes. I see it as expansive because look at all the bands and all the genres and all the different artists that you are able to collaborate with and work with and open for and and play with because of this rich mixture of music that you're into and that you have liked and learned how to play. It's the opposite of limiting. This is why it's so, it boggles my mind. Like, it's like being, it's like passing a gallstone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I look back at it, man, and I'm like, well, marriage, divorce, death. I mean, it all happens to everybody, but I mean, I, I just like, I wouldn't know what else to do, man. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I have a few apologies here and there, but it's like, I don't have any regrets, though, about any of Oh, my gosh. How's your, and if this is too sensitive, I'll cut it out. You and Daniel being twins and joined at the hip for most of your lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, is going out there now on tour, like you said, just on fumes and faith, trying to still make it happen? Does that ever cause rifts or does it make your relationship? I mean, brothers in rock and roll bands are historically problematic, but you, you two are able to make it work? Well, yeah, I mean, like like I said before, I, I wasn't on that Love at First Hate record. I didn't like True. the way he was going at the time, you know. You see, at the time that was happening, I was going through a divorce and whatnot, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was distracted, but not totally. Um, I had a friend of mine named uh, Jason Furlow, who's in a band called New Kingdom. And it was a hip-hop group, Hip New Kingdom. During that time in, in New York, 95, I was listening to, like, you know, Portishead, Tricky, whatnot, you know. So Basically, what we left off, from we were beginning to program a lot of stuff. So I'm listening to a lot of mixtapes at, at the time, you know, because, you know, Diddy and them, P. Diddy and them, in New York, there were like mixtapes that you could go buy that had mixes by underground DJs. So every little once in a while, you would come across this mixtape that would have like instrumental or some shit on there. You're like, oh shit, what if I play this over it? Or, you know what I'm saying? I, so I went out and bought a DJ looper and I would sit at home and just come up with like different kind of tracks and whatnot. And so, a couple of songs, I had a couple of songs that were down. My brother did, I did, re, I did a remix over. So with the beats, so that became Apollo Heights at the uh, time. Okay. Which, which was basically the instrumentals that we played on on uh, on any record that we had were instrumentals. Okay. That were the, the programming, like, you know, uh, Shaved or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. that were basically the, uh, the, the scale of what we're going to go to next. But we couldn't okay. find anybody that was proficient enough to make that happen. So I went into the studio in, on Broadway to do the first Apollo Heights demos. And that became what the Velda's, you know, was on the on the road to, you know, the mm -hmm. Jason brought in this bullfight, this bullfight record. And then I played over it and whatnot. And we came up with that sound. He came up with the sound, not to mention a couple of other DJs that we knew from hometown that were helping us get to that, that point. The, the mixture of uh, Jason and us for that demo was on point we found a uh, we found a uh we found a an engineer named charles reeves and this is when we did our first demo as you know apollo heights and that became the state okay i want to ask you white music for black people has a song on it called baby talk that features robin right I, no i don't know what i did there he's not on that really i was oh. listening to it on youtube and it says with robin guthrie and everything on it no no he didn't play that no oh no. maybe it's some kind of remix or something like that Okay. Yeah. I Never mean, he, 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 I mean, you might as well say he did play on it. <laughs> <laughs> According to him, he did play on it. You know. Right. 
It may as well. May as well. We have Patreon supporters, and I always tell them who I'm talking to, and if they want to submit questions, they can. One of our Patreon supporters is named Jake Rude, and he's a prominent DJ in the uh, Midwest. And he's been a DJ for 30 years, and his question is basically, well, first of all, he hadn't heard of you. And when I posted that I was talking to you, he goes on a deep dive down a rabbit hole, listening to everything. And he's like, this is the most amazing th- stuff I've ever heard. So his question is, how does a music obsessed guy who's been a DJ for 30 years, worked for four radio stations, four record stores, three record labels, and literally has hosted numerous dream pop and shoegaze nights, just learn about this, this band tonight for the first time? Damn, really? Yeah. <laughs> redlining. <laughs> Musical redlining. <laughs> Musical redlining, really. That's it. That Basically, is it. I mean, they, they, I mean they, they look at us before they they look at us before they do anything, man. It's like it's so know. unfortunate. And for anyone who don't who wants to who doesn't know, but the last couple of EPs you guys have put out, Shocking Fuzz and Your Electric Fur, yeah. thanks to the moth and Ariana Rose, these are great as well as the main albums you guys have put out. Entropy is the main line to God. What does that mean? We did that during the, during the pandemic and the riots that was happening here. Got it. And, and, and all over. A lot of the stuff that we were feeling at the time was feeling like entropy. They're breaking yeah. down because Trump was around and whatnot. And and we were thinking about like revolutionary kind of topics as far as that is concerned. Like, you know, you see the SLAs on there, the Symbionese uh, Revolution, mm-hmm. the, the four-headed Hydra and uh, the Black Panther and uh, the Skull, it was just a basic feeling of like, you know, being trapped in the house and being mad at being mad, basically, you know, mm-hmm. at topics that we discuss every day, you know, like seeing young Black people out there busting up property and whatnot, you know, you know, it comes from somewhere, but I wouldn't necessarily have done that, but I'm saying, but I don't, I don't blame them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah. how many times you got to tell people something like, you know, like we tell people like, Sometimes you gotta be told, you know, and until you just don't have any other choice but just speak your mind. You know what I'm saying? I know. You know, you, I know. Like my mom said, I'm, I'm gonna tell you one more time. <laughs> that's I kick your ass. That's I kick that's your right. ass. <laughs> and that's how the world was. That's we talked. Yes. Was it still down. feels that way to me, Danny? Doesn't it to you? Doesn't it just yeah. feel in the last seven or eight years it's just been suffocating? The tension yeah. and the anger that you feel 24 seven is all consuming. I'm so exhausted by it. But on top of the other things that, and people don't, people, I, I, I'm, I'm sure some of it is sensationalism. Some of it, some of it is, is not. Yeah. But for the majority, uh, but for the majority, it's like you got people toting guns, shooting yeah. people, you know, this open carry shit. We were at some redneck truck stop, dude. This motherfucker had his shirt off, man, and his side sidearm, and we were going in to go get get gas. He didn't send it to us though, but I'm just saying that's the atmosphere yeah. of having to travel. While being black, you know, uh, in the South, I'm like, so I'm asking myself, why are we even trying to do this shit? Still, yes. I said, like, why? You know, like, if where we go, we're gonna have to be scared of where we're gonna go, or if we go to a Walmart, some motherfucker could be shooting up some shit. Yeah. You know, I just, I just, yeah, entropy, basically. Yeah, entropy. that's it. That's it. But that's the record right there, and those songs reflect how we felt. Yeah, you, know, you we, guys we, need we, your we, own we, rock doc. Fishbone has one. Death has one. Bad Brains has one. There needs to be a Velt rock doc that's in keeping with these other ones. Yeah, I just feel like the world needs to hear this story, man. It's just well, right there, right for the picking. It's the best. Well, well there's just two people that were that were one one was some millennial chick that was doing one. Nothing didn't pan out. I, I don't know, man. It's like that. That was I don't know. Like, you know the the them they he thing kind of uh-huh. going on. I don't really know what's going on with her, but she's she was cool. And then his uh-huh. other guy, he wanted he wanted to do something a little more sensationalism, like you know. And I'm like, mm. I, look, there's, there's, no, there's no one taking drugs, unfortunately. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not fucking my brother, you know. <laughs> there's nothing that's going to give you any kind of joy except, like you know, knowing that we, we we were trying, we kept trying. That's the only exciting thing about the movie would be that we didn't yeah. give up, basically. Yeah, that's it. You know? That's it. So what happens now? I mean, you're coming. You just got off of playing the Levitation show uh, fest, and now you're going back out on tour. Do you? I don't even know, Danny. Do you have a regular job that you've got to take off to go do this? Have Have you? How, how do you pay your bills? What do you do? Uh, that's a bit of a quandary, man. <laughs> I bet. I bet yeah. it is. 
It's a long yeah. story. I, I, I do not interview about that one. <laughs> okay. Because I asked that, I mean, I talked to, you know, I've talked to 600 and something rock stars and they're all in various levels of success or, you know, uh, yeah. revenue. I and mean, so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working part-time at this space over here being like, you know, cleaning up places and shit like that part-time. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. to sub, you know, do income, you know, bills, sure. but, you got to um, do something until the tours start back up again. Yeah, man. I, I was talking to Joe Guion about that from Brian Jonestown. He said the same thing. He said, man, I work at a fucking record store. You know, he said, I'm not ashamed, not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to say I got to go clean up some place to make money. I'm like, that's what yeah. I'm doing. You know what I'm Very normal. So if somebody pays me what I'm worth. Exactly. You know, that's what I was just going to say. Until the rest of us come around to the Velt, that's just I how mean, it's going to work. I, 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 think, I think we deserve to be paid adequately like any other band, you know what I'm saying? But as I said before, not everybody has those same sentiments about us. I, in fact, I was talking to some dude online about like, uh, you know, we used the, the, the skull for the uh, Spaceman 3 upside mm-hmm. down thing. Mm-hmm. There's actually a guy saying that he was mad at us for using that, you know. We did it as a spoof on Spaceman 3 because we love Spaceman 3, you know. Yeah. And actually the the guy, the bass man, the bass player from that, uh, I said, hey man, is, is there a problem? We don't really want to cross any lines. I said, no nah, man, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Will Carruthers. No, but, but Space Man 3 are the ones who turned into spiritualized, right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love them. Uh, uh, Will Carruthers is the artist that did that. Okay. Okay. Did that. And, and we just put like a, a black Afro pick in it. Of course. And, you know, yeah, I'm looking and, right at it. It's great. And, and it's somebody great. was saying to us that that's not cool, them using that, you know. And, and I wanted to say, when's the last time a black person stole anything from anybody white musically? <laughs> <laughs> You got to ask these questions. <laughs> see, you laugh, see, you laugh and see, because it's funny, right? There you go. <laughs> oh, and it's so true. Brutally you know, honest. I stole that with Space Man. And then, you know, Space Man 3's record, first record is about, about blues songs. Yeah. Yeah. Spacey, so, kind of weird, psychedelic bluesy stuff. Yes. It's great. It's great. Yes, it's it is. is. I'm not mad uh, Okay. Oh, go ahead. If you ask me. I, I, I love it. I love Space Man 3. I love everything about the group, man, you know, I mean, uh, I met Jay Space Man a couple of times, you know, I met, I met a lot of people that, that we never played with. I met Kevin Shields, but I'm a little bit embarrassed about that though. Okay. That was going to be my next question. Tell me about meeting some of these people. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Shields, I mean, people always ask me about, are, are we influenced by them? I'm like, no, not really because we came out at the same time. So yeah. I mean, how, how would I know how he sounds? Sure. You know, beforehand. Cause I, we were I assume the same the thing. Same yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I met him, but I was, man, I was on Mushrooms one night at the Roseland Ballroom, and he was talking to Patti Smith, right? And, uh-huh. and I remember turning around saying, what's your name again? And she goes, <laughs> I said Patty." <laughs> God bless her heart, man. Oh I said Patty. I remember she was real mad, too. Oh, and I guess I, was, I, I, I guess I wasn't that rock and roll nigga, you know? <laughs> I guess not. I guess not, you know? As the song says. Really that. You know, shit. But no, man, they were really, he was really cool. And whatnot, man. And uh, tell me what's your favorite story when you look back on all of this. You had to have had an interaction with someone. I don't know who your musical heroes are. Maybe it's maybe it's Stevie Wonder, maybe it's David Bowie. I don't know. But tell me, did you have an interaction where you're just like, you're gonna I can't believe this happened to me? On the on the way up, you mean? I mean well, any of them, just interactions, playing on a bill, grabbing yeah, a beer, I mean, sitting I, in a I, bus. I have, to, I have to say playing Levitation Festival was the pinnacle of it because we playing with some of our contemporaries mm. and fact that we felt, okay, man, I, I used to go to see these shows with people, man, and be like, yo, I'm going to do this one day with my friend, Howard, Howard Palmer. We'd be on the balcony watching his band. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that one day. I want to play with Brian Jones sound, black angels. And I did. I mean, it seems so far mm-hmm. away because yeah. of everything I told you, you know, I thank Anton a lot, man, for like looking over that bullshit, you know, because, mm-hmm. I don't know how else we would have done it. I mean, you know, we, we would still play regardless, but I'm saying somebody like him having that open mind, you know, the black angels and all these people like that, the open that, like, 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 like your boy said, what do you, what do you guys been? And yeah. some people say that, where you been? Like, I'm, 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 I've been where, you, where they left me. <laughs> right here, right here. Where I've been, um, <laughs> you know? Let me ask you a potentially hard question. And again, if this is sensitive or something, tell me, or maybe I'm way off. Have you ever taken or heard criticism within the black community as not for not being black enough or not doing, not adhering to the culture or the, you know what I'm saying? I have to start from high school. I have to start high school from high school for that one, you know? Really? <laughs> I wondered. Yeah. yeah. I, have to start, I mean, I mean, for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, I, we generated toward that mute, toward the music that we like because of people that were open to us, you know what I'm yeah. saying? 
not that you know many black people were doing live music that we knew back then. There was very few, only in church. But like my brother, like I said, my brother played in the juke joint. So those old, older black guys were like influenced me a lot too, you know, mm-hmm. and and in church, church as well. There was always that that nagging feeling of like you know you want you know you're not ain't hood enough or whatever else, and nobody in the hood won't play playing music. They're rapping, mm-hmm. so it was wide open except for the, except for the people that we knew like living color. What I mean, we Lord knows what like what what they went through. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they had their own story like oh you ain't white enough or what you doing hanging out with them white boys? Like, like for example, yeah. I would go to the hardcore punk shows. And come home to the hood and hang out True. with my boys there. And then I would go to the punk rock shows and they would come pick me up. They would go, white boy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that clear day, man. I would come back home. Yeah. Like, you playing that, play that faggot ass guitar, man. Nobody want to hear that shit. Or you're like, they're just too loud. I'm like, I said, wait a minute. Black people play their music at 210. You can't tell me they can listen to this shit. That's right. Bullshit. That's right. You, you can go to any car going on the fucking road and hit a hit, hit a motherfuckers blasting that shit. That's right. Come on, man, you can't take that loud. Like, get the fuck out of here. So that never so stood true. up to me. So true. You know, and then like you know, just some people just like you know, I don't know, but there were those that supported because they were open, and some people that were not. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I don't know. I, I I'm listening to you, and I'm just thinking about all of the music critics I respect and the music writers I respect and the music websites that I look at and the blogs that I read that have been beating the drum for the belt all along. And that's what turned me on to you guys a couple of years ago. I was late to the game too. You know what I mean? And uh, eventually I become uh, aware that it's out there and it's the exact kind of music that I listened to and grew up on. And then the story is so rich and multi-layered and interesting, and the music is great, black or white. And I just think this is a complete package that deserves to be heard and celebrated and explode. And yet it doesn't. And I think I don't know how to, I don't know why the world works that way, but it shouldn't work that way. You know? And I we just playing music, man. We I think the same thing too, man. I, I think that we got like the shaft on a lot of things even till the, even till today some people are threatened by it yeah you know, it. they know we're gonna bring it you know I don't they know we're gonna bring it we know we're not we're not yeah. gonna be just meek people playing i mean you know we yeah. we go out there we play from experience and we play from the soul you know what i'm saying yeah. and not many people like that play from the soul you can you can have as many foot pedals on the ground as you want but if you ain't got the songs to go with it then there's, there's no true. point you might look cool and and have all the kind of look style and whatnot but if you ain't got a song, you know, come on. I mean, if I if our music sucked, there'd be one thing. Mm-hmm. And I know our music doesn't suck. You know what I'm no, saying? I, I know it. Yeah. Because you know, I know what because I know where it comes from. I know what mm-hmm. I know it comes from comes from the soul. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I mean, some people they don't like talking about shit like that. They want to be something like they're so cool and like can't admit to where the soul comes from like that, man. I don't have that kind of time. I don't have that kind of privilege to be like, oh, I'm I'm cool with it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I know I'm not cool with it because I know what I do. And I do it well. So, you know. You guys are special. Um, anything I can do to spread the word, I'm happy to do it because you're special and you deserve more. Yeah, Thank you for chatting with me, Danny. It means a lot. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Good. Anytime. I hope you guys manage to come through Denver or something at some point because I got to see one of these shows for myself. Oh, man. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, we went way back from uh, the West Coast. We joined a band called Tremors, which is a really good uh, band, too. Okay. Um, and there's so many good new shoegaze bands out there now, man. You before you could you couldn't get a shit away. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're right. Grunge conquered everything a long time ago. Yes, it did. In '95, everybody got lost their minds and like broke up and whatever else. Mm-hmm. But there was something in it, man. Even when Robin and them broke up, I was just devastated by them too because you know I they bet. had personal things. But, but uh, something in me that just couldn't give up. I don't know why it is, man. I don't know what it was. It's like I thought the music had a chance. Because it didn't get it, get get its props, so we've been carrying Robin Robin Guthrie's name since 1995 mm-hmm. and or 89 because we believed in him and we still believe in him. Mm-hmm. You know, you know he's he, he's he's a bit of a grouch sometimes, but he's like he means what he does, man. And yeah. um, I just hope they get a chance to play again again before they all you know get too old, you I know, agree. whatever else. You know, Simon Simon's around, Liz is around, and they're yeah. all really good people, man. They're all really good people. That's I good. Think, Time hopefully will get bring it back together and show the world what exactly they missed out on. I agree. Being on tour with them, 
do you believe how, how beautiful that was, man? You know what I just realized too, Danny? You guys, when you would have been on tour with them, was probably near the end of their marriage. Were you seeing yeah. fights yeah. and things that, yeah, that's unfortunate. When Robin was on here a year and a half it's ago, a couple years ago. Yeah. Because, because I think Liz was going out with Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley. Yes. I didn't know that until he told me. That was shocking. I'm a huge Jeff yeah. Buckley fan, too. And when I, Robin I, I, was I, I, I hang out with Jeff. You used to hang out with Jeff Buckley? Yeah, Jeff used to live on um, 12th Street in New York. And see, the, the keyboardist from, from Fishbone was his best friend. And we used to go to his house. We used to go to his house, man, and fucking hang out, hang out with him and shit, man, and drink with him, you know. And and then I called his house one day, and this girl answered the phone, and uh, I was like, "Yo, what's up, man?" He said, "I said, where's Jeff at?" She said, "Oh, we don't know where he is right now. Uh, he went. He's down in New Orleans, and he went for a swim, and and, and he, we can't find him." I said, "What?" I just because I just spoke to him. I just saw him maybe f- six days before he left, and me and my ex-wife was sitting at a cafe in New York. And uh, oh, I saw him over reading the book. I said, "Hey, what's up, man?" He's like, "You know, so I'm about to go down to New Orleans to record the new record." You know, he says, uh, "Tell your brother." I said, "What's up?" And he gave me a kiss on the cheek. Oh, and then he, and he was gone. Oh, I, I think I'm the one, one told Liz that he passed. I think you know it was correct. Really? You know? Oh yeah. man, I had I no I told, idea. I told, I told Robin. I told Robin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, gone, I man. was a big. I was a. My brother turned me on to Jeff Buckley when Grace came out, and I was so I've thankfully been an you know an original fan since back in the day. I'm glad that his profile has seemed to have grown over the years, and that album is kind of viewed as a as a classic, which it should be. When Robin was on here a year year and a half ago, whatever it was, um, I was told very strongly ahead of time that he doesn't like to dwell on the Cocteau Twins, doesn't want to talk about Liz just wants to talk about solo stuff and the new things he's yeah. working on. And so I tried to focus on all of that. And, but of course, I mean, you know, you got to talk about Cocteau twins a little bit. And he was yeah. understood. You mentioned him being a little grumpy. He was, he was, I think he got mad at me. I was trying to be very sensitive, but what little I asked was still just too much. And it's understandable. He's very cautious. I mean, they have a kid together. And so he doesn't want to bad mouth Lucy. Liz. Really? Yeah, when I'm saying he's grumpy, I'm, I'm saying it because because I know him. I know him sure. in a funny kind of way, you know, but um, I never talked to him about like, you know, Jeff Buckley or something like that because it's a very sensitive subject, obviously. Right. right. Um, but we concentrate more on what we're doing now and what he's trying to accomplish is getting uh-huh. on in his age or not. And he's a very uh, he's a very technical guy. You yes. know? He, he doesn't like vinyl. Really, he doesn't like vinyl. He he likes to see see when the the Cocteau Twins were coming up. Robin was always a tech savvy guy, mm, so true. much the sound progressed, he didn't see the need to go back to that sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's very methodical when he programs stuff, so I can't keep up with him in that in that headspace. Yeah, that's him. I mean, he's he's very mathematical. He's very methodical about programming. He's very conscious about what he does and how he sounds. He'll dominate the 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 production. Just the way he does, because that's what he, because he's just what he's good at, and I admire him for that. You know, yeah, he's still yeah. steadfast. He's one of my my biggest influences in my life. That's I'm, not, I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at no, him. No, no, no. <laughs> he's great at what he does. Yeah, well, thank man. you, Danny. Like I said, this will be out in a few weeks. Um, I'll let you know when it comes out. If you feel like sharing it with your fans or whatever, please do. Okay. Yeah, 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 man. It's, look, this only helps helps us. <laughs> yes. Well, that's my that's the goal is to just turn on some people to the belt. That's the whole goal. Well, man, if you need anything else from me, just just give me a holler. I will. Thank you so much. This meant a lot to me. Amen. All right. Have a good one. We'll see you later. All right. There you have it. Danny Chavis. Seriously? No, I can't think of another band in the world that has a story like Danny's. I can't think of one. It is fascinating to me to hear this. Even hearing (laughs) bands like, oh, the Sugar Cubes or the uh, the Sundays or Oasis or Danny Warhols or whatever. Hearing those bands come out of Danny's mouth, there's just, I don't know anyone else. Maybe my worldview is just too limited, but I don't know anyone else in music like Danny and Daniel. No one. So I think it's fascinating what they do. I want to close it out with another one of their songs, Soul Power, and it's great. Now, Yan had some family stuff he had to attend to this week, so he was traveling and he couldn't produce this episode. But our good buddy Mike Wagner stepped in to produce this episode, and I think he did a fantastic job. Thank you so much, Mike, for doing that for us. And to pay him back, I want to 
tip you guys off on something. It's the holiday season. Everyone likes listening to mu uh, Christmas music. Mike recently released a Christmas song called At Home that is sung by Ali Parks. So if you want to go on the on the streamers like Spotify, type in Ali Parks, that's A-L-L-I-E, and look for the song At Home. Mike, our buddy who's doing this, wrote this song and recorded it and I believe played guitar on it. Fascinating stuff. Anyway, thank you so much, Mike, for being you and for doing this with us. Gang, next week, we only have one more episode left and then the year is over. And next week, we are going completely in the opposite direction. It's a twofer and both bands are about as classic rock as you can get. That's what's coming up next week, okay? Uh, huge thanks to Mike Wagner for stepping in. You guys can like our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter or X or whatever at the Hustle Pod. I don't believe we're going to have a bonus episode coming out this week because it's going to be Christmas and everybody should have better things to do. But Yan may have some time on his hands and if he does, you might see a deep dive this weekend. But otherwise, of course, we just want to tell you all that we love you and we are so grateful that you allow us into your homes and into your ears and into your life so that we can all enjoy music as a community. And that's what we've been doing for the last almost nine years, guys. Thank you. We love you all so much and Merry Christmas.